Hey there, welcome back to the Path to Zion podcast, where we are rediscovering the ancient way. And the ancient way today is perfectly, perfectly aligned with our purpose here. We're talking about olam, this Hebrew word that talks about forever, enduring through all generations, perpetual, in perpetuity. And we we have hoped to lay a, a blanket of, of thought over all of this stuff we're presenting to get you to see and to consider, is it possible that although most, most people have compartmentalized different people groups and different covenants and different ways that Yahweh moved about amongst his creation and made promises to different individuals and peoples along the way, that there is a reality, if we only use the word alone, of a, a covering over all of these things throughout the timeline of humanity where it's, it's crystal clear Yahweh wants a covenantal people. He wants a people to join into his covenantal promises and do their part to walk in his ways so that his ways are for them. We must do and fulfill our covenantal responsibilities in order to receive his covenantal blessings. And so that's where we wrapped up um, with part one, which I know is quite lengthy. We talked about how his ways are forever. His what we what do we read just that one little snippet from the, the song of Moses? Yahweh shall reign forever and ever. Well, did that end in a dispensation? That's Olam. No, it, it's forever. It's through every generation. His his incredibleness that shall reign forever and ever is absolutely Olam. It is for every single generation. No questions asked, right? Well, okay, Sabbath, this, this, you shall memorialize this and remember this, Olam, for all generations. Oh, well, that's not really forever. Okay, well, is, is Yahweh's wonderful ways forever? Yes, yes, they are. This says Sabbath is, is, is Olam. No, it's not. And, and thereby is, is what we have to really look into as whether or not we really agree with the word in its entirety now. And as I challenged you earlier, we've got to make sure that we don't look for ways to get out of our covenantal responsibilities. I see that a lot in Christianity. That was my old life. I would just say, well, I don't understand that. That's not for me. Um, I'm not a Jew, uh, but I never understood a lot of these things until I started um, just letting the word of Yahweh speak for itself. And so that's what we're going to continue to do um, as we move along here. A lot of scriptures coming. We're going to look at Psalms here for a while. Olam appears, as we said, over 400 times in the Older Testament. And it's in Psalms a good many of those. And for the sake of time, I, am, I compiled a large handful of these for us to read um, through in order. So we're just going to blaze a trail here. Psalm chapter 9 tells us that Yahweh shall endure forever. He shall endure olam. Psalm 10 says Yahweh is king forever. Olam. Psalm 25.6 states, Remember your mercy, O Yahweh, and your steadfast love, for they are olam. Psalm 33.11 and 12. The plan of Yahweh stands olam forever. The purposes of his heart from generation to generation. Again, this is just a redundant theme throughout the entire word in case we don't understand forever. 
for a generation after generation after generation after generation after generation for all of time, friend. Olam. Um, blessed is the nation whose Elohim is Yahweh, the people he chose for his own inheritance. Again, connection. Olam, perpetuity, generation to generation. His set-apart people is the nation um, that he chooses for his inheritance. Okay, these themes are clear. Psalm chapter 61, verses 4 and 5. David is declaring his love for Yahweh, and he says this, For you, Yahweh, have been a refuge for me, a tower of strength before the enemy. Let me dwell in your tent forever, Olam. Let me be in your presence forever. Let me take refuge in the shelter of your wings. In Psalm chapter 90, we see what is referred to, again, as this prayer of Moses, and we talked about it a little bit earlier. Yahweh, you have been our dwelling place in all generations. Before the mountains were brought forth, or ever you had formed the earth and the world, from Olam to Olam, which in this case is everlasting to everlasting, you are Elohim. So here we are again. Is Yahweh everlasting from beginning to end? Is he eternal? Is he in perpetuity ruling and reigning, as we already touched on? Well, of course he is. It is forever, unquestionable. Okay, then to go back to the rainbow, circumcision, Sabbath, feasts, are they also olam? Because it's all the exact same verbiage, the exact same Hebrew words. It continues, Psalm 119, verse, uh, verse 142. Your righteousness is an olam righteousness. It is everlasting. It is eternal. And your Torah is truth. 119, 160. The sum of your word is truth, and every one of your righteous judgments are olam, everlasting, eternal. In the Psalms alone, more times than I could compile and, and count, we see... This, this phrase to Yahweh, your mercies endure forever, okay? Do his mercies endure really forever or just to certain generations? Because again, we're try, we have to only let the word explain our understanding towards this presentation of Olam. Are all of these that we just read in Psalms alone, are they really meaning forever? Are his mercies really indefinite? Are they really eternal? If so, does Olam also mean the exact same thing when it's applied to Yahweh's feasts, to his Sabbath, or to other commands that are also called indefinite, forever, eternal for his set-apart people? Um, we see this pattern continue, also found in the prophets, um, as, as it's here in Isaiah. Incline your ear to come to me. Incline your ear and come to me. Listen that you may live, and I will make an everlasting covenant with you. Isaiah 55, 3. Olam. Now again, is this a different, unique unto Isaiah covenant? Is this a, and a unique uh, covenant just for um, however many people were in, in, in the in the people of Israel for that exact moment it was spoken, but not for their grandchildren or not for their great, great, great grandchildren. Or was it, or was this covenant just for Abraham and his sons? Or was it for 
his sons and his and his sons' sons. That's why we have to understand Olam is this in perpetuity for all generations, as we really hit home, I believe, in the discussion of Abraham. For Abraham's seed, for all generations, forever, these promises are available to those who will enter covenant. Okay? So does it mean the same thing, this Olam? Or do we pick and choose and have the right to decide when it is, is in fact, applicable and when it is not? Um all are invited to join into this, and this is one, I keep talking about this overreaching um, principle of, of Olam. It's one big redemption covenant story, okay? A story that's overflowing, <coughs> excuse me, with fathers, everlasting, perpetual, indefinite, continuous, unending, eternal, forever, covenantal Olam ways. We must make sure that we're willing to rightly appropriate this word correctly in all in all of its uses, in all of its uses, not just the ones that we would prefer it to be applicable to or the ones we like. Now, let's, let's not overcomplicate this, okay? We, we recently concluded Feast of Tabernacles here. It's, it's fall. Boy, it's fall outside my house right now. Cold and wind and rains here right now. And it, it, it Feast of Tabernacles, Sukkot, booths, whatever you want to call it, it is a wonderful time of rejoicing with Father's family, okay? You're, you're camping alongside other believers for eight days at the minimum, living in, in tents. Now, now, why do we do that? We, we eat. We eat a lot. We sing. We talk. We cry. We praise. We thank Yahweh. We, we um, endeavor to, to endure alongside one another because after... A week plus of being beside your brothers and sisters, you start to rub a little bit and you have to work out some relational things. You just aren't necessary when you see each other once a week or once a month. Now, why do we do all these things? Well, because we're legalistic, right? No. Olam. Olam. <laughs> we do it because it is what? A perpetual statute. You shall celebrate it, Sukkot, Feast of Booths, Tabernacles, as a feast to Yahweh for seven days in the year. It is a statute forever, Olam, throughout all your generations. You shall celebrate it in the seventh month. Now, this is Leviticus 23.41. It is never once called the Feast of the Jews. It is the Feasts of Yahweh. It is His possession given to His people as one of the signs of his covenant. My set-apart covenantal people keep my set-apart covenantal festivals and feasts and days. Like Sabbath that we already talked about. It is a oath, a sign that we are to remember forever for Olam generations. Now, if you're possibly still one who believes that despite what we've covered um, already talking about the sign, the rainbow, um, all these other things. If you still feel that only the everlasting, indefinite, forever scriptures um, that are for you are the only ones that are applicable to Christians today, okay? Only the ones that are 
for you in a sense that they benefit you, they bring you blessing, they bring you covenantal favor, they bring you covenantal promises, but you don't have to do anything now in Jesus to inherit this, even though we just even read the word literally inherit, for those who remember and for those who walk in the Olam covenantal ways of Yahweh. If you still feel somehow that you're just not included in these covenantal expectations, um, like circumcision, because you're in Jesus, let's read something that appears several times throughout the scriptures that we've already kind of casually read a few moments ago, but we'll read again with a little more highlight upon it. Um, now, this is one of several appearances. This one is in Numbers chapter 15, and hopefully this will allow the word to simplify and settle this matter of identity that we're trying to tackle here. For the assembly, there shall be one statute for you and for the stranger who sojourns with you, okay? Let me elaborate a little bit to help make this clear in case it isn't. Many people, I realize, still have never heard this stuff before, so it, 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 it has to be mentioned and clarified. There shall be one statute for you and one statute for the stranger who so, sojourns with you, okay? One statute, not one for you, not one for you blue and one for you red. There shall be one statute for you and for you. Okay? And it is a statute, Olam, forever, throughout your generations. You and the sojourner shall be alike before Yahweh. The same Torah and the same regulation shall be for you and for the stranger who sojourns with you. That's verses 15 and 16 of Numbers chapter 15. So if you watch this program, I repeat this a lot. You've heard me say quite often over the years, there are really only two camps of people on the entire earth. And I believe this is the way it's always been. There are those in covenant, those who obey Yahweh's instruction, and those who are not in covenant, those who do not obey Yahweh's instruction. This is not difficult. These ones, these people, which are in covenant, have a sign upon their lives. They have tokens, markers, circumcision, feasts, Sabbath. There are identifiable things that scripturally, covenantally speaking, in a, in a forever, eternal, in perpetuity um, explanation of Olam, that Yahweh has said from the beginning of time, this is how my people act. This is what my people do. This is how my people walk out their side of this awesome covenant that I am extending to man. It is forever, perpetual, even in Yeshua. Yeshua never once came and said, Everything that you were told, okay, so let's just examine this for a mere moment and we'll keep moving. Do you, can anyone take me to a passage where Yeshua, Jesus, in any way, anywhere, said this, in any way, <laughs> I'm here now and everything that my father told you was eternal and forever is coming to an end with me and I from now on am freeing you from any covenantal responsibilities from here on, you are now free in me to 
I won't say live however you want, but just be in the law of liberty that has been misunderstood and errantly taught. Because everything that Yahweh, my father, said was forever and indefinitely in place for all generations, I'm changing that now. And that's over. Would Yeshua, the son of Elohim, who was perfectly obedient and only spoke what his father spoke and, and did what he saw his father do, and he had his no he had no he had none of his own commands, no new ideas, no no plan of his own that he executed, did he ever say everything that the that the law and the prophets said was forever? I'm changing that now. It's not really forever anymore. Forever ends here. Forever ends with me. Friend, no. <laughs> and we're going to read text towards that so you don't think it's just my opinion. Is it's Maybe somebody's scouring the word to find somewhere that says that, which is to my point earlier. Let's not do that. Study the word, yes, but don't just look for reasons to get out of, of what the entirety of the word teaches us, okay? Now, now let's do this. We're going to fast forward all the way to the end, right before the harvesting of those who are upon the earth. And what do we see? We're a long way from being done. Don't get too excited. Here, this is Revelation 14, 12. Here is the perseverance of the saints. This is the end of the end of the end now. We're getting there anyway. Those who keep the commandments of Elohim and the faith of Yeshua. The, the, the commandments of Elohim. Now, what are those? Let's just... What are what are the commandments of Elohim? Well, love one another. Love him and love your neighbor. Okay. Expounded. How do we know how to love one another? How do we know how to love our neighbor? What is love? What is love to him isn't love to him. And what I say is love isn't love to them. Who says? Well, the word of God. Well, we have already established, and we do that with regularity here also, Paul's always saying the capital S scriptures, the Torah and the prophets, are what are profitable for teaching to tell us how to walk. The Jerusalem Council has all the new believers in Yeshua coming into the faith and entering the covenantal reality of being father-set-apart people, and they're saying, what do we do with them? Well, we send them to Leviticus, and we tell them to don't eat this and don't partake in that. Why would they do that? perpetual. It is olam. It is forever. So that would, of course, make sense that even at the end of the age, we see that there is perseverance of the saints that is defined by those who keep the commandments of Elohim. Because why wouldn't they? Why would they not? That's what John, the revelator, would have said was, why in the world would not would um, the commandments of Yahweh not be in place and intact in their olam, in, in their olamity <laughs> at the end of the age? Of course, of course it would be. So we've got to take the time to study the word and understand our identity. Who in the world are we? Who are we, people? <laughs> Have we believed in any way the endless offerings of dispensations and broken up categories that ultimately cause us to simply now just shrug our shoulders, resign to simply being Christians in Jesus? I don't understand all that Torah and the prophet stuff. Who can understand it? I'm in Jesus, praise God. Well, friends, here's the here's the problem with that is we serve a covenantal Elohim. <laughs> and to end where we started, because we're, you know, we're, I don't know, four hours from ending. I'm just kidding. All the way back to creation, he set signs in the heavens. 
the rainbow, the luminaries. He established eternal covenants with men that are forever, for all who join themselves into his wonderful ways. His side of the commitment now is sure. We better rest assured we understand that part. But what about us? Will we deliberately unite ourselves to his Olam ways? Jeremiah chapter 6, verse 16. This is what Yahweh says. When we read this in the prophets, friend, man, you better be careful you don't compartmentalize that into, well, that's, that's for the Jews too. What if it's for us? Maybe, maybe that will challenge somebody. When you read the Torah and the prophets, just read it through a lens of, you know, maybe this is for me. And I bet you'll perk up. Oh, oh, I better know this a little closer, um, pay a little more attention. Why? Because this is what Yahweh says to the prophet Jeremiah. Stand by the ways and see and ask for the ancient paths. What is that? Ask for the Olam paths, friend. Where the good way is and walk in it. Then, then when you walk in the Olam paths, you will find a resting place for your souls. Now, the first time around, Yahweh's people, we all know they would not listen to this instruction. They would not walk in it. They wouldn't walk in it. They had their own ideas. They created their own oral Torah. And they, instead of being a city on a hill that was holding up this great light to the nations as they were intended to be, they, they shoved it down in a box, put the lid on it, and then put you know, a 10-mile uh, roll of duct tape around it and kept it to themselves still dealing with that today. Now the Roman Catholic Church has done the same thing. It's interesting how that repeats itself. They could not walk in it by choice. They did not walk in it. But perhaps we could be a generation. Perhaps my son and your children could be a generation that obeys, that gets this in perpetuity principle. A great place to begin to move this to a close is the most wonderful part of Olam, in my opinion. We see it throughout the scriptures, Jeremiah 10, 10, chapter 10. For example, Yahweh is the true Elohim. He is the living Elohim and the everlasting King. Jeremiah 31, 33. For this is the covenant which I will make with the house of Israel after those days, declares Yahweh. I will put my Torah within them. And I'll write it on their heart, and I will be their Elohim, and they shall be my people. Okay? Promises. Covenantal promises. Why am I reading this? We are talking about something ancient, old, Olam, the ancient path worth walking, that is way back there that these prophets foretold. Purpose and identity is there, friend. And Yeshua's the doorway through that. Do you understand that? I mean, I don't understand it fully. But we cannot set up a tent at the foot of the cross. That was not Father nor Son's intent. So what do we do? We look back and we remember these words like Ezekiel eleven seventeen through 20. Therefore say, this is what Yahweh Elohim says, I will gather you from the peoples and assemble you from the countries among which you have been scattered. And I will give you the land of Israel. When they come there, they will remove all detestable things and all its abominations from it. 
and I will give them one heart and put a new spirit within them. And I will remove the heart of stone from their flesh and give them a heart of flesh. Now, why will he do this? Why will he do this new covenant promise, friend? Jeremiah 31, 33 that we just read a moment ago, it talks about it clearly as well. These prophets understood, and then they announced, declared, confirmed. Why will he give them a heart of flesh in place of their heart of stone? Verse 20 of Leviticus chapter 11. So that they, they may walk in my statutes, keep my ordinances, and do them. Then, then, I always like to do this, and I don't care if you think this is too much. I, this is good for me and good for all of us. Then, then what? Okay. Then when they have a heart of flesh, given where they used to have a heart of stone, which gives them the ability to walk in Yahweh's statutes and keep his ordinances and do them, then... They will be my people, and I shall be their Elohim. Friends, Yahweh's covenant is Olam. It's forever. Whether it's in the day of Noah, or in the day of Abraham, or in the day of Ezekiel's prophecy, or Jeremiah's prophecy, or whether it's in David, or whether it's in Yeshua himself, all throughout the apostles and the teachings and everything that we've gathered together and been assembled and delivered to us, some of it right and some of it wrong. Yahweh is a covenantal Olam king. Even the new thing that came in Yeshua was the covenant that was, friend. Do you understand that from just these two texts that I just read? It's the Torah the law of Yahweh Elohim will be moved onto the hearts of men. Why? Because it's a new heart now that is, that is prophesied for us in a future age. Well, all this will be gone and will literally be an entire new, like in entire, entirety, a new creation. What a promise. Is this an Olam promise? Or is that, nah, that was for the Jews. That too? This isn't talking about that. <laughs> this is talking about a new covenant. <laughs> so that we can walk in his ways. In the likeness of Yeshua who walked in his ways. Our pattern, our forerunner Messiah, the firstborn of many brethren. Shaul Paul, Acts chapter 24. After yet again being falsely, mind you, accused. <laughs> of teaching against the Torah and Yahweh's Olam ways. He had this to say as a rebuttal when he was given the floor and they said, okay, Paul, what do you have to say about this? Brother Shaul, what would you like to say today? <laughs> he says this about those accusers. They cannot prove to you the things of which they now accuse me, but I confess this to you, that in accordance with the way, capital W, which they call a sect, I do serve the Elohim of who? Of our fathers, that Olam way, believing everything that is, in that is in accordance with the Torah and is written in the prophets. Verses 1 and 14 compiled together. Okay, so this false accusation that, that this Rabbi Shaul, Paul man, they wouldn't have called him Paul, but anyway... This guy is trying to tear down everything that Moses established. He said, these false accusers, 
I hear me, this is hear it out of my own mouth when he had his chance to speak for himself. I'm serving the Elohim of our fathers, of Noah, and of Abraham, and of Jeremiah, and of Ezekiel. And I'm believing everything, everything that is in accordance with the Torah and is written in the prophets. Now the work, the, the word here in Greek for believe. Believing everything. Because what does that mean? We I had to stop and study on this. I found it quite compelling, so I added it to, uh, to this as well. In the Greek, believing is not some mere mental assent, mental belief. It is not like that at all. Like, you know, if you just ask Jesus in your heart and if you just believe, maybe you got to squint a little bit. Are you, You're not squinting enough. Are you believing for real? Okay, just a minute. Whew, I'm believing. I'm believing. You know, that's what it's become. Little Susie, do you believe in Jesus? Mm-hmm. Yes. Do you believe in the tooth fairy? Mm-hmm. I do. Santa? Sure. And see, that's what we've made this. That's what we have made this gospel. This is not what the Greek even was, was intending by this. It is defined as placing one's entire trust and confidence into something. Uh, this Greek word for believe. Yeshua used this word a lot, and we're, we're only just right, uh, just a few feet away from Olam. Don't get worried. Um, John chapter 5, verse 46. For if you believed, believed, if you what? If you placed your entire trust and confidence in Moses, you would also place your entire trust and confidence in me, said Yeshua. Why? He wrote about me. Oh, how can he write about Jesus if Jesus replaced the Torah? If they're the same? I'll let you answer that question. I don't have an answer because there isn't one. <laughs> he didn't. Yeshua, of course, fully understand, understood what? In perpetuity. In perpetuity. Always ongoing. If you believe the Torah and the prophets, if you believe what Moses spoke, if you believe what my father told Moses to tell Yahweh's set-apart, holy, consecrated people, you'd believe me. <laughs> you'd place your, whole, your entire confidence in me if, in fact, you did the same. Really, if you really did that for Moses in perpetuity. This word believe is the Greek equivalent of the Hebrew word aman. Okay, we've talked about that before on the program. First mention of aman is with the covenantal promise to Abraham and his seed. Oh boy, here we are again, full circle. That's why I added this to uh, this Olam study. Then he, Abraham, believed in Yahweh. Okay, so what did he do? He didn't just believe, okay, I'm putting all these... Um, unbelieving thoughts out of my mind and now I believe in God. I believe do you believe in God? Yep, I do. I just believed in God. Good job, brother. Fist bump. No way, no how. This is <laughs> this is not what our minds go to. Mine doesn't go there, but I know many people whose it would. The covenantal promise to Abraham and his seed is the first mention of of believe in the Older Testament Hebrew. Then he, Abraham, believed. He believed in Yahweh. And this 
was credited to him as righteousness, as righteousness by Yahweh. Okay, that's Genesis 15, 6. Eternal things, perpetual things, forever things, olam things for, for Yahweh's set-apart covenantal family that we see throughout this timeline of righteous men walking in his covenantal ways. In perpetuity, in their generation's version, if you will, of the olam principle at play. Even Yeshua himself was, was a part, now a massive part, a, a, a earth-shattering part, yes, of course, but a part also equally of the entirety of Father's Olam redemption plan. Okay? Why? Because he wants a people. We've already talked about that. We're not going to go over it all again. He wants a one-man people who walk in his covenantal Olam ways that, that are found in the Olam path that we are told by the prophets to walk and to find. Why? Because in the end, in Revelation, the ones who still walk in the Olam commandments of Yahweh, <laughs> they are still his people in the end, just like they were in the beginning. It is an Olam redemption plan. Now, I say all of this in conclusion. We're going to move right to the end here. For this purpose, okay, to show that Father's Olam ways are always extended generation to generation to generation to generation. This whole nonsense that that um, those who are under the heavy burden of Torah couldn't couldn't keep his ways. That's why Jesus had to come. No man could please God. That is anti-Messiah, and it is anti-scriptural to immeasurable levels. And it needs exposed every single time it pops in my head. I see it every day. I literally see it every day, either in my inbox or in messages or on message boards or something. It is an error that is has um, ruined the body of Messiah and confused her greatly. Yeshua knew Father's perpetual covenantal ways. And he was, by will, the suffering servant part to be the firstborn example for us to say, ah, oh, that's how you do this. If a man couldn't keep Father's ways perfectly, if the Torah couldn't be um, kept, obeyed, then Yeshua couldn't have obeyed it. He did what no man before him would do, not could do, as we say, with great regularity. I would say, what was, is. No new ideas, no new plans, no new way to become Yahweh's set-apart people. Covenant, covenant, covenant. You can mark it through everything. Now again, it's generationally extended to different individuals as we go. Yes, there's no argument with that if we want to talk about historical timeline and how it unfolds, yes. But all of it, friend, is the Olam covering, which is Father's continual desire to extend His perpetual, ongoing, repetitive, forever covenantal ways. That part is clear, no matter which generation it came to or how. So to end where we started, the same rainbow oath for Noah and for the Olam, the perpetual generations that followed, 
is still here today. The same for you and for those alongside you, as we read just briefly in the text. This is for you and for these who are alongside you. So if you're even in in the realm of consideration, you're one or the other, or you're just out here in what I call the third category, You're just nowhere, which is still only two categories because you're in covenant or you're out. But if we're going to say third, there's just just the world, the patterns and the ways of the world, which is a whole other issue that this is not about. This is not extended towards, I don't believe. Psalm 136, verse 1. Give thanks unto Yahweh, for he is tov, he's good. His mercy endures forever. Olam. Amen, right? Amen. We can surely join into this Psalm of David in absolute clothing, closing here, right? Of course, of course. Give thanks to Yahweh. Let's make a song about it. He's good. His mercy endures forever. His mercy is Olam. Praise him. His mercy is Olam. Yes, right? Yes. <laughs> Let's keep reading. Psalm 119.44. So shall I keep your Torah continually. Forever and ever. Olam. That was David. Oh, that was David. That's David. Woo! David was before Jesus. Let's keep reading. Psalm 119, 142. Yahweh, your righteousness is an everlasting Olam righteousness, and your Torah is truth. Psalm 119, 160. Yahweh, your word is true from the beginning, and every one of your righteous judgments is everlasting. Olam. Oh, you, you follow me? Your word is true from the beginning, and every one of your righteous judgments is Olam. Where do we find his righteous judgments, friend? Where, if you, okay, if you wanted to do a Bible study and found out what are Yahweh's righteous judgments, because this says they're forever. This says they are in perpetuity for all generations. I'd like to know what his righteous judgments are. Where do you find his righteous judgments, friend? Yeshua knew. Did he come to abolish Yahweh's righteous judgments found in the Torah and the prophets? He said no. He said, of course not. I'm a fulfillment. I'm the peak, man. I'm the peak example. It doesn't get any better than this right here is what he was saying. <laughs> I am the pinnacle example of the Torah and the prophets in a body of flesh right here, walking in obedience to my father's Olam ways. Incredible! <laughs> That's why he told the non-believing Pharisees that if they believed Moses, they'd believe him too. Because he's saying, look, if you really, from your heart, knew and walked in obedience to my father's Torah... You would walk in my ways because they're the same thing. (laughs) It's the same words. It's the same what? It's the same righteous judgments. They're not my own is what he said. These righteous judgments that I'm saying, they're not mine. They're my father's. And if you knew Moses and what he taught, you would know me. Why? They were speaking the exact same thing. Yeshua in the Torah and the prophets. Righteous judgments. He was the the perfect example of righteousness on the earth. So we too must decide, friend. 
Does Olam mean forever, in perpetuity, or not? My hope in, 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 in all of this that I've shared is that the next time you're studying your Bible, you're reading casually or, or in, in depth, and you come across the words everlasting, perpetual, unending, forever, while you're reading your Bible, perhaps you'll stop and see maybe this word is olam. And then my hope, my heart's hope, is that you'll take the time to see that if maybe the case of, of what's being addressed, no matter what it is, no matter what it is, don't fall prey to this pick-and-choose gospel that you do this and you don't do that because you don't like that or don't understand it or your pastor told you you don't, don't worry about that. doesn't matter what you eat. doesn't matter where you go, what you look at. Everything's holy. But if you see this word, these words, forever, perpetual, no matter what it is and what it's addressing, would you just consider seeing if maybe it applies to you? Consider, maybe, look through this lens, maybe this forever is for me. I've already thought that the forever covenantal blessings were for me. I've heard that my whole life in church. I've always heard that that covenantal promise, even to Israel, is for me, but I'm not Israel when it comes to eating a, a pork sandwich. That's not me. That statute's not forever. What if, by Holy Spirit's revelation, as the Father leads us all into truth in whatever measure we can rightly walk in, that when you see these words forever and perpetual for all generations, you think, maybe this applies to me because this is Olam. And maybe all of us begin to choose to obey. You know what that would make us look like? That would make us look like Yeshua. Because he understood that his father's ways, his father's commands, his father's wonderful covenantal promises, and his covenantal expectations were Olam. So friend, consider this, won't you? Hopefully this has made sense. It's really spoke to me. It's challenged me to really see the end and the beginning and this overreaching reality of Father's unending, relentless pursuit to extend a covenant to whosoever will. Pray you'll consider what I've presented. Thanks for watching. Amen.